Welcome to the Educate to Advocate podcast. I'm April Tate, mom of two, founder of Drops of Hope Consulting and a special education advocate. I am Dr. Penny Stack, occupational therapist and founder of Dyslexia Center of Tulsa, where we provide team-based therapy to bring children to grade level reading. Hey, let's share with everyone why we are doing the podcast. I'm here to connect with listeners so that we don't feel alone in the process of helping our children. I am here to broaden awareness for providers that learning difficulties are not just about learning issues or needs, it's about a person's lived experience. Let's get into today's topic. Is it behavior or is it boredom? You know, now that we are kind of looking at a time where children are home, maybe a little longer, sometimes we're not sure if they're just bored and antsy. Sure. Right? Or if this is that sensory seeking behavior or overwhelmed behavior, kind of like that difference between behavior as in a choice, like I know I'm not supposed to put my hand in the cookie jar, but I'm taking a cookie anyway, Yep. versus the, the world's just too overwhelming and I'm in the middle of a meltdown, which is to me more of a characteristic. So balancing the two and what do we do? Sure. And, you know, I, I was talking with you a little bit earlier and I, I completely identify with this. I'm bored and I want to misbehave. Some days I'm irritable because I'm bored and I'm just bored and I want to be mad because I don't have anything else going on and I just have a bad attitude. <laughs> it's my time for a tantrum. Exactly. And sure. as an adult, I do that. Some days I'm just annoyed with life because it's just not going this, the way that I want it to be. And if I can identify that as an adult, then I can think, you know, as a child, what are they what are they going through? How are they processing that? Because if I can be irritable as an adult, Whenever they're throwing toys and acting like, you know, little maniacs, maybe I can understand that behavior because I'm feeling the same way, only I'm a little bit more positive, more constructive with how I'm doing right, it. Right, right. And I think it's interesting that what I caught you say, saying or hung on to what you were saying, that if you can recognize it, what what is the child processing? Maybe they are struggling with putting words to it. And the best way to meet that moment is with calm. Yes, a lot of calm. A lot of calm. And right. that's the hardest thing that to do when that's it's just burning breathe. down yeah. around you. Sometimes you just have to just breathe. You know, I always think about, and I just saw this last week, and I sh- I'm sure people see this all, all the time, you know, the child who's having the meltdown in the store. Yes. Right? I think that's the most known. And it was interesting because I was checking out and I heard the child, you know, screaming and crying and the clerk just had this look on her face. And I looked at the clerk and I said, you know... I said, my heart just really goes out to the mom because here she's trying to get things done. And I'm sure this is harder on her than it is on the child. Mm-hmm. I said, it's hard when you can't, you know, process the world around you. Yeah. And that takes me back all the way back to whenever my children were infants and we were breastfeeding. And, you know, there's that when you're first learning how to do that process oh, and yeah. the lactation con- consultant says, calm down. They can feel it when you're nervous. They can feel it when you're stressed out. Right. And I think, you know, that plays in to older children, whenever you're at home and they're acting insane and you are starting to ramp up, they feel it, they're feeding off of it. And all of a sudden you've created this huge, ugly dynamic in your house where everybody is panicking and everybody is trying to get said what they want to say, communicate how they want to communicate. The interesting thing about that is in the moment, for every second that goes by, you feel like it's minutes. It just yes. feels so long. <laughs> long. When because I, I think about what she said about nursing. Yes, when when my daughter would first cry, and to me it was an emergency. Yes. Right. And I felt like it was forever when really it was like 30, 30 seconds, seconds or a minute. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just be mindful of that. It it is not as monumental as you interpret. Sure. Right. And to just take that moment, that first step is to breathe. 
and approach it with calm because if they can feed off your anxiety, they're definitely going to feed off your calm. Absolutely. And role modeling for them how to process through this and letting them know it's okay to feel this way and just giving them what they need, whether it's that compression for a hug or taking them to a quiet place, whatever it is that they need for the moment. And maybe it is just, they're just tired or maybe they just are frustrated and it's not necessarily a characteristic of their learning difference. I always called it putting it in the right bucket. Sure. For example, you know, when you're mad because you're, I don't know, you're trying to do something and it won't work, that doesn't mean go take it out on your little sister. Right. 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 It mm-hmm. means you're frustrated at this and it's okay to be frustrated at this, but still be kind to the person who's walking by you. Sure. And if we can define what we're frustrated at, that gives us a really good idea that it's not you. It's not the person next to you. It's not me. It's this stinking thing that I'm trying to do. And then we can be constructively frustrated at what it is we're trying to do rather than lashing out at people around us. I think a good first step whenever we're running into behavioral issues, especially in this time when we're not sure that we can get out and we can't get around other people, we can't, you know, we're trying to stay at home, is just creating special space. You know what? You're having a meltdown. You're having a difficult time right now. And I understand that, but I don't understand exactly what you're going through because you are not communicating it to me very well. Why don't you go to your room and calm down? I need a few minutes. You need a few minutes. Sometimes it's very constructive just to create space between the two of you and give yourself that opportunity to take a deep breath and get into a more positive headspace so that you can deal with it rather than from like an emotional reactive place. Right. And we want it, we want it to be a safe space as well. So depending upon what's around them, Mm -hmm. you know, and depending upon what their ability is to self-regulate and being okay in their room by themselves versus Someone needs to be with them. Just whatever that is for your child. But that safe space sometimes is really helpful. It could be the beanbag chair that's sitting Mm -hmm. over, you know, in the other room. But just that distance, because as an adult, you may need a moment. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, definitely, definitely. And I mean, the beanbag chair is great because it's kind of a hugging situation. It, It feeds some sensory needs. You could also say, go jump on the trampoline. My oldest son is a jumper. That's how he regulates. When he gets upset, that's where I know where he's going to be. Like he goes straight to the trampoline and he he hangs out there until he's done. So also providing just some different sensory activities that they can do on their own whenever they need that input. They know when they need it. They they know what makes their bodies feel better. And just being able to provide that to them so that whenever you need that minute, you can say, hey, why don't you go jump on your trampoline? Or why don't you go sit in the beanbag and take some deep breaths, just giving them a, a constructive way to to deal with some of that frustration. Sure. And if you have a child who's really used to having structure mm-hmm. and so they know what to expect throughout the school day, if they're all of a sudden home for an unexpected length of time, you know, spring break may be over and now they're going to be home for a week or two after or months after and it's not summertime, so right. it seems odd, maybe helping them create structure or helping them plan their day, even just getting up in the morning and saying, hey, here's what's on on the plan for the day. This is what we're doing. And just so they have an awareness of what to expect and then helping them transition from one activity to the next. So, you know, it's time to make your bed or it's time to 
I don't know, we're going to go run some errands or we're going to go outside and play for a little bit. You might be all excited. Great. We're going out to play. But they were sitting in their room coloring Mm -hmm. or playing with their Legos. And to them, this is a huge shift. Yes. So we're leaving in 15 minutes. We're leaving in 20 minutes. We're leaving um, the length of your TV show, right? Right. Sometimes children don't know time, Right. right? So it's, you know, as long as your TV show takes, that's when we're leaving. And just let them know what you expect of them. And sometimes that eases the stress of transition and will ease those that behavior that you might see. Sure. And I think too, just kind of signposting what's next. So today we're going to get up and we are going to brush our teeth and put on our clothes. When that's done, we're going to do this activity. When that's finished, we're going to run errands and then we'll have lunch. Not necessarily, you know, signposting your entire day, but giving them an idea of these are the things that we're going to do throughout the day and you can be ready for because if they know it's coming, sometimes it's a little bit easier to transition. And sometimes I remember doing this a lot when when my daughter was growing up is talking about I would have plans of what I need to do because as a parent, there are things you have to do. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. they have to get done. And whether they like it or not. Whether they like it or not. <laughs> whether we like done, it. <laughs> whether we like it or not. But a lot of times I would hear, but I want to do this. And the first thing in my head I would think of is I do not have time yeah. for X. And then I would take a deep breath and I'd think, okay. So here's the deal. When we are at work, there is an amount of work that needs to get done. And a lot of times we have a team that helps us with our work, whatever that is. And everybody pitches in and does it. So that's kind of what I started doing at home. Okay, so here's the things that need to get done today. I understand that you want to go to the park. Great. If we get these things done, then we can go to the park. So you can help me with these things. That means we get to the park faster. Or if you don't help me, we may or may not get to the park. Mm-hmm. And then there's some skin of the game. Yeah. So it could be easy things like maybe picking up their toys or helping take out the trash. Or if they're a little older, can they help clean the bathroom? Can they help with any chores? If you're going grocery shopping, could they help unpack the groceries and put them in the house for you while you're going on to plan B? Or my favorite thing, which my daughter still is not a fan of. Oh, no. <laughs> at, at the age of 18, when we get home, walking the dogs is a big project at our house uh-huh. because we don't have a fenced yard. Okay. So we have to take them for a walk. And when it's hot or rainy or yucky outside, side and our, our dogs act like, well, they, they're senior dogs, but they act like little puppies when they're out they're there. They're so and they, excited. They just, they just run and they're, and it's just uncontrollable. We've not trained our dogs and they're just all over the place. Right. And it's a hot mess. And so she dreads it every time we pull them to the driveway. Okay. Because you want to go to the mall or you want to do this. I need you to walk the dogs while I do X. And she's like, oh, oh no. no. But it's something she's more than capable of doing. Right. So that shared division of what needs to be done at home is really helpful too. Absolutely. I think something that we use at our home with my younger children is reward charts. A lot of times are a chore chart, but just these are the things that need to get done and then you get some screen time, or right. these are the things that need to be done, and then we will go get ice cream. And we wait, I'm moving into your house. You get ice cream. <laughs> we get ice cream. I am right there. Can I be put on a reward chart? Yes, awesome. I, I put. I do reward charts for everything. That's awesome. Um, we do that, and then you know, I think it's also once once a kiddo has had kind of a meltdown, and you're you know they've gotten regulated, they're at a calmer place, being able to talk to them and giving them, you know, some space and some time to talk about what's really bothering them without you constantly asking questions or interrupting. Um, I know through some different training that I've gone through and some different therapies that we've done with our children, that when you ask questions, it can be a real stressor for a child when you feel like you're just on the floor playing and you start asking questions, you're changing the tone of the play. 
So if you're changing the tone of the play by asking questions when you're having fun, when your kid is off of the charts, upset, and having a difficult time regulating their behavior, think about the amount of stress those questions could add to that situation. So I suggest once things have calmed down a little bit, taking a deep breath and just allowing them to tell you what's going on in their mind, why they're upset, what led to that meltdown, what they're looking at, what they're seeing, what they're feeling, and just trying to take a deep breath and kind of hold your questions and giving them that time to talk to you. The interesting thing about that is I learned the lesson kind of backwards, right? And I would ask when things calm down, what I realized later worked worked in our home was waiting for her to come to me. Mm-hmm. And so that typically happened at the most inconvenient times, like bedtime. <laughs> Always. Right? When you're exhausted. <laughs> you're tired. At the end of the day, and now they want you to solve the world's problems, mm-hmm. right? And so bedtime can be a really special time. And, and like I said, my daughter's 18 now, and bedtime is still a ritual. It's not the same as it was when she was little. I don't have to tell her to brush her teeth or get into her jammies, but I still will go in and tuck her in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times she'll want me to lay down with her or she'll ask if we can talk or she grabs and hold my, holds my hand and she'll tell me all the problems of the day. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes that if you carve out that intentional time, I purposely now will like hang out after dinner in the living room, just kind of on the couch. And she'll come down and just sit on the couch and start talking to me. And I think that's an age thing. Yeah. You know, let let them come to you. But the interesting thing, and I just saw an example of this the other day, is if you model this, they hear you. Mm -hmm. You may not get the result you want right then and there. Sure. And it always surprises me when I learn that she has heard me. So this happened recently where I was upset. And she asked me what was wrong. And in my mind, it was a very adult thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was going on that wasn't really appropriate to share with my child, right? Yeah. Because there are things that grownups, it's yeah, just not appropriate just, to you share with your child, no matter what their age is. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm okay and, and all is good. And she's like, no, you're not. And so I'm thinking about how to navigate this because I always want her to talk to me and here I'm not willing to speak with her. And I said, you know what? This is just something that's grown up. Um you don't need to worry. And then she just stopped me in my tracks and she said, well, you know, mom, you're upset. You need to talk to somebody. And I'm really worried that if you don't talk about it, it'll get worse. Aww. And I'm like, she, she has heard me. <laughs> yes. And so I just really wanted to calm her down. And I said, you are absolutely right. And I am talking to another adult and it'll be okay. But thank you for being present. And wanting to have that conversation because that's the space I provide for her. So it was interesting seeing that come full circle. Yes. Well, and for like younger children, the way I model that is, is I always ask them about their day. Mm-hmm. What are a few good things? We always talk about a few good things, but I always sure. provide them with a few good things that happened to me during the day. It might be that the line at the grocery store was short or, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, earth shattering wonderfulness. It's just... These are some things that happened that were good. And I always, always, always ask, what were the what were the things that happened that were not your favorite? I, I tried really hard to say not your bad things or right. bad parts of your day. Because I feel like if I say that, they'll say, well, I didn't have any bad. But if I say, what were the things that were not your favorite? They might be like, well, we did a whole lot of, you know, worksheets or we had to write this problem or, you know, whatever. And then I also provide them with, you know, a few of my not so great things that happened throughout right. the day. And I do it on their level. I don't, you know, talk to them about adult things, adult things right? for sure. But, you know, I do provide that and they see that, you know, 
maybe great things happen to mom too, or maybe not so great things happen to mom. And it does really provide that, you know, place to talk about those things. I know my husband has talked to some other fathers of older kids, just trying to get a feel for how to communicate with kids as they get older. And some things that we do with our kids, like my youngest loves baseball. It is the beginning and the end. It is his favorite thing to do. And he will throw a baseball with my husband for hours if you let him. But once he gets into the rhythm of throwing that ball, all of a sudden the communication starts coming. He starts doing this mindless, you know, throwing of this ball. And all of a sudden he opens up and starts talking. Uh, the, uh, the oldest, our oldest child, my husband goes up and plays video games with him. And as they're playing video games, he starts talking. But I think it's really interesting what you said about after dinner, you spend some time on the couch intentionally for your daughter. I have friends that know that their teenagers are late night talkers. Yes. And so they make sure that one person, a husband, the husband or the wife or whoever is up at one o'clock in the morning yes. when their homework is done and their t- TV shows are over and they come downstairs to get a snack because they know that that's going to be the time that they're going to want to be having those conversations. I, I had a very wise parent tell me this and it was just, it was a precious moment. You know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the, the the more time that goes on from the time she told me this to the time that I always think about it, it just becomes more special to me. And I think it was a moment when I was just like exhausted and frustrated. We all get as parents. I'm like, Absolutely. I just have no more energy. And we were talking about bedtime. And she said, always be intentional about that time. She goes, and never leave the room until they're ready. Mm. And I never thought about it because in my mind, I'm like, I've got these other things to do. Things okay, to we're get done. Down. Yeah. And I leave. <laughs> and she said, because you don't want them seeking out inappropriate attention somewhere else. Oh. And that really struck me. Yeah. You know, and as our girls grow up and they start dating or our boys grow up and they start dating and they start seeking out other relationships, what does that healthy relationship look like? And are we filling their bucket so they are now in a relationship because that relationship uplifts them right. as opposed to feel... Uh, filling a void, right? I think was really her point. Mm -hmm. And so I am very mindful now at that time not to rush her off and to allow her time to process. And when she's done, it's like a light switch. She's out of there. She's a teenager, which is fine. And like, like we said, sometimes when we're looking at behavior or characteristics, a lot of times, you know, talking to our child may not solve it instantly, but if we are consistent with the calm and we are consistent with talking to them, I think the turnaround time of the meltdown versus recovery will be shorter. Yes. Frequencies will be less. And what happens that moment that we lose it when we're human Mm -hmm. and we don't handle it well, that's always the best time to be really transparent and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I could have handled that so much better because I think there's a difference between when a child notices their parents not perfect mm-hmm. at, between uh, when they realize their parents human. Sure. And that level of forgiveness. And I think too, that's such a wonderful thing to show your child. We make mistakes. It's okay. You're not, nobody's asking you to be perfect. We're not perfect. We, you know, implode in the moment too. And this is how we handle it. We take some deep breaths and we realize that we've done, you know, not the best thing. We weren't the best example. And to be able to go to them and say, hey, look, I had a moment. It wasn't pretty. And I'm sorry about that. I could have done that a lot better. I think that that teaches them life skills that will really benefit oh, yes. them 
Think about the workplace, think Mm -hmm. about school, all the other activities. Absolutely. That that ability to interact with others when things aren't easy is a huge life skill. And just learning that, you know, none of us are perfect and we have to, we have to connect and move forward even whenever it's not, it's not easy. So some of the key points that kind of struck out with me uh, when you're looking at the uncertainty of the length of time our kids are at home and, you know, is it boredom? Is it behavior? We're not sure. Uh, the few points that stuck out to me was be calm, mm-hmm. be authentic and be present. Yes. And I really loved what you said about um, just being present and being there for your child and creating that positive relationship so that there aren't voids for them later on whenever they're making other and new relationships. I I really love that. And just the idea that, you know, with our younger kids there, you know, there could be some sensory needs that we might need to meet for them or might provide, need to provide uh, a way for them to meet those needs during this time, whenever we're kind of cooped up and stuck in the house. Well, we hope we leave you today feeling empowered to advocate. Thank you so much for making us a small part of your day. We would love to hear from you and what's on your mind. Email us questions and comments at educate to advocate at gmail.com. Listen for your topic to be on a future podcast. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe and listen to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Alexa, and on most podcast platforms.